You are listening to the Impact Church Podcast. To learn more about Impact Church, visit us online at impactharlem.org. You can also check us out on social media. Good morning. And it's good to be back in the house of God. Amen. Hey, so this morning, we are going to be jumping into a brand new series. What if I told you this morning that people that give their life to Jesus, people that say, hey, I'm going to follow after Jesus, and we, we go from bondage to free, that we continue to live life in the bondage instead of living life in the freedom of Jesus. And we do that every single day as Christ followers. So through this series, my prayer is that we believe that we have freedom, and then we begin to walk in that freedom. We're going to start in the very first chapter of Galatians. We're going to be in verse 1 of chapter 1 this morning. And I just have a, a couple quick just nuggets to throw out to you. Right after service this morning, we're going to have Impact 101. So if you've, you've been thinking about joining Impact or you just want to know a little bit more about it, please just hang out after service. We're going to have some lunch uh, for you. And then next week, we're going to have service downtown Harlem outside at the library at the same time, 10 o'clock. But we're going to go into the community and we're going to invite our city to worship Jesus with us because it's not about people coming into this building. Amen. It's about the church going out into the city and be in the church. So those are just a couple things that we're going to do over the next couple weeks. Galatians chapter 1, verse 1. It says, Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers who are with me to the churches of Galatia. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Verse 6, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. God, I pray that you speak this morning through your spirit. God, that hearts are changed, that lives are forever transformed, that we truly begin to walk and to live in the freedom that we have in Jesus. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So I want to give you a little context here. We have Paul who wrote a lot of letters and his, his greeting is usually pretty lengthy. And in this letter, although he does have an introduction, it's a lot shorter than most. So what that, what that means to me is, that would be like me coming up. Every speaker, every writer has some kind of routine. So I get up here and the very first thing I say is, good morning. 
It's good to see you. I'm glad we're here. And then I kind of tell you what we're going to do for the day. If we're starting a new series, I'll let you know. I'll throw a couple announcements out there. And then we kind of jump in to scripture and we begin the message. But what Paul did would be like me coming up here, folding my arms and saying, hey, we need to talk. And you would know, hey, well, something's wrong. Dustin's not very happy. He's got something important to say. And in essence, that's what Paul was doing here. He was saying, hey, I need to tell you something. I'm going to skip these lengthy introductions because there's something important that I really need to tell you. I came and preached to you a gospel. I came and told you what the true gospel is, how to receive the true gospel, how to receive Jesus, how to follow Jesus. And now you have these other people that are coming to tell you that there's a different way to receive salvation, that there's some other gospel or there's some addition to the gospel. And I don't understand why you're listening. I don't understand why you went from the freedom in Christ to the bondage that you used to live in. I just don't get it. So that, that's where we are. This is what Paul is doing. And we see in verse 1, something that is very, very important. Paul refers to himself using the Greek word apostolos, which means apostle. But we see that this is a noun form of the verb apostolian, which means to send or which means to dispatch. So in essence, this is what Paul is saying. He's saying, hey, I am a messenger directly from God. This isn't from man. This isn't from myself. This is from God. I have been sent and dispatched to share the message of Jesus. And that's what I've done to you. I've, I've preached the gospel that God had told me to preach through the, through the Spirit because of Jesus, because of what I saw, because of what I experienced. I am an apostle, a messenger, a dispatcher of Jesus. And this is an important theme that we're going to see throughout the book of Galatians because Paul wants these people to understand and to realize that this message is not a man-made message, that this message is from God himself, that he is a messenger of the Most High, and he's not trying to serve any selfish purpose, that he is truly giving the gospel message of Jesus. And this is something that we're going to see throughout this. But what was happening is the Gentiles, who were the non-Jews, they, they were told, hey, so this is how you receive salvation. Paul preached that salvation was by grace through faith. It's grace alone through faith alone because of Jesus alone. That's the gospel. That because of God's grace, through our faith in him, we can have salvation because of what he's done, not because of anything that we'll ever do. And that was the gospel message. And we see that Paul kind of sums this up in verse 4. He says that Jesus, talking about Jesus, he says, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age according to the will of of our God and Father. So what was Paul's message? It was this number one, Jesus gave himself for our sins. That, hey, we were sinners in need of a savior and that Jesus did everything necessary for that salvation, that he came and he lived a perfect life and then he gave himself on the cross 
for our sins. The second thing we see from this verse is that Jesus delivered us from the present evil age. That Jesus not only provided salvation to us, but that he delivered us from the, from the world, from the, from the evilness around us. That he came to give us life and to give us life more abundantly. And then the third thing we see from verse 4 is that Jesus acted according to the will of God. Again, Paul is saying that, hey, this isn't my message. This isn't something that I've created. It's not something that I've dreamt up. This is the will of God. This is the message of Jesus. And that everything is going according to his will. That Jesus came, that Jesus died, that Jesus rose again and defeated death, and that Jesus ascended back into heaven, and now he sits at the right hand of God making intercession for believers. This is the message of Paul from Christ. This isn't the message of Paul from Paul. It is the will of God through the inspiration of the Spirit. And we see in other letters that Paul's message was, was very simple. What was happening was the Gentiles were, were free because of the message of, of Paul through Jesus. That they began to, to live in freedom and to understand that, hey, because of God's grace, I can, I can have a relationship with the Almighty. And then the Jews who were still kind of fixated on the law said, hey, I know that that's what you were taught. I know that that's what you believe. But we have this, this thing called circumcision. And if you don't do it the way that the law says to do it, then there's no way that you can receive salvation. So what the Jews were doing were adding to salvation to the Gentiles. And, and the Gentiles started to believe that. They started to believe the perverted, distorted view of the gospel, that there's more to do. That we can't just accept what God's done, that what Jesus did isn't enough for salvation, that you have to follow these tenets of the law in order to be saved. And the Gentiles started to believe that, and Paul got wind of it, and then he comes and says, hey, we need to talk. And in other letters, we can see that Paul was very clear. In Romans 3.20, he said, For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight since through the law comes knowledge of sin. And then later in Romans 10, he says, for Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. And in Ephesians, he said, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of work so that no one may boast. So this is what Paul said, that there is no man that could be justified by the law. That the law actually reveals how sinful that we are. And he says, for anyone who believes in Christ, Christ was the end of righteousness because of the law, because now our righteousness is in Christ. It's no longer in the law. And that we're saved by grace through faith. That was the message of Paul from Jesus. And this was, this was something that was, was very important to him because he had experienced it. He had experienced the freedom. If we look at Paul's life, we see that he used to persecute Christians and then he had an encounter with Jesus and his life was changed forever. He began to live in the freedom of Christ. And he was 
commissioned and he was commanded to go and share the message. And he began to share the message and people began to receive the message and they began to live in freedom. And then all of a sudden, this group of people who are still fixated by works-based Christianity said, hey, I understand that. That's cool. But there's a little more that you need to do. And Paul's saying, no, there's nothing else that you need to do. And the, the big hot topic of that time was circumcision. Today, we don't really struggle with that hot topic. That's not something that we really uh, debate about a whole lot in our culture. So you may be thinking, so why is this even important? They were struggling with circumcision, with some part of the law that we don't really deal with here in our culture. But there are numerous, numerous ways that we distort and pervert the gospel of Christ. And yes, it may not be with the, the whole idea of circumcision, but I want to give you some examples of how we pervert the gospel. Ways that we distort the gospel, number one is this, when we make something else necessary for salvation. I want you to understand something this morning. If you understand nothing else today, I want you to hear this. That salvation is all about what Jesus has done. The only thing that we contributed to salvation was the sin. We sinned, we fell short, we continue to sin, we continue to fall short. There's no way that we could ever do enough to earn salvation. Salvation is by grace alone through faith alone. That's it. That's the message. But what do we do? So what we do is we begin to add things to the gospel. We begin to say, hey, I, I know that that's what the church preaches. I know that that's what the Bible may say, but I just don't get that. I don't get that someone could love me so much, that someone could offer me so much. There's got to be something else that I need to do. I, I have to clean up my language before I could ever have a relationship with Jesus. Or man, I, I really need to stop doing this before I have a relationship with Jesus. There's no way he can love me with the things that I do. If he really knew my heart, there's no way that he would accept me. And you know what that does? It turns the focus on, on us. It says that, that we are either too bad or that we need to do better or that me, 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 and the gospel message is that it's all about what Jesus has done. That we don't have to clean up. That we don't have to add to the gospel. The gospel message is this simple. That Jesus loved us enough that while we were still sinners, he died for us. That while we were still messed up, he died for us. That while we were still against him and walking away from him and caring nothing about him, he died for us. And through our faith in him and our belief in he's enough, we can truly have a relationship with him. But we begin to add stuff to the gospel. The second way that we distort the gospel is this. When we make emotion chief over truth. Now, we live in a world and a culture that is just crazy inclusive right now. 
And a lot of people will say, it really doesn't matter what you believe as long as you truly believe it. As long as you feel good about it, as long as it feels right, as long as everything kind of lines up in your head, as long as you really believe and feel whatever it is that you believe, then you're okay. And again, I want you to understand this morning that there's only one truth. That Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the only way. And, and I'm not trying to sound ugly, and, I, and I'm not trying to, to say that people don't matter, but what I'm saying is there's only one truth, and there's only one way, and his name is Jesus. And we, we can love people, and we can, we can lift people up, and we can encourage people, but if people don't believe that, if they believe there's another way, then they're on their way to an eternity separated from God in a real place called hell. And that's the truth. But what we do, and the, and the church is really bad about this sometimes because we want people to, to, to feel included and we want people to come in. And, and I feel the same way. My heart is for people to feel welcome and to feel, feel like we want them here. And we really do and people are welcome. But what we can never do is put emotion over truth. And the truth is that it's all about Jesus. The truth is it's what he's done. And he's the only way. He's the only truth. He's the only life. And we must preach the truth as the church. And if we begin to preach anything else, then we've distorted the gospel. If we begin to lead people to believe that, man, as long as you're sincere about your beliefs, it really doesn't matter. Just have sincerity and you're good. If we tell people that, we're distorting the gospel of Jesus. We have to stand firm on the truth of the word of God. The third way that we distort the gospel, and this kind of encompasses it all, is when we make the focus about us. And this is something that, that I found that I can do very easily because this is something that happens. For example, we trust that, hey, we need Jesus to, to provide salvation. We know that we can't do it. We know that we can't earn it. So we accept that. We begin to follow Jesus. And then we want to grow spiritually. And somehow our mind flips. And then we say, hey, so now if I'm going to grow spiritually, it's all about what I can do to grow. We, we tend to forget about the power of Christ. He's not just here to give us salvation. His power is the reason that we can grow spiritually at all. And I can fall into that and say, hey, if I can do a little more, if I can read a little more, if I can pray a little more, if I can do this a little more, then maybe I'll continue to grow spiritually. And when I do that, I put the focus back on me and take it away from Jesus. Now, don't get me wrong. There's a, there's a part for us to play as Christ followers. But when we elevate our part above the part of God, then we're distorting the gospel. It's not about what we can do to get closer to Jesus. It's about us knowing more about who he is and trusting and relying more on his power. I don't know if you've ever struggled with, with a sin so much that and every time you tried to stop, you would have success and then 
man, you would just kind of fall right back into that sin. I've been there in my life and I struggled with it for years and years and years thinking, man, what is going on? I've done everything that I can do. And there lies the problem that I did everything that I could do and there's no way that I could overcome the sin. I began to distort the gospel. I began to elevate what I could do more than the power of God. What happens is when we struggle with sin, once we become broken enough and we realize that we're too weak and we realize that we can't do it, then we must trust in the power of God. And he is the only one. His power is the only one strong enough to get us out of that bondage. That's how we live in freedom. We have to accept that and begin to walk in that because, man, he's not going to force his freedom on us. And if you think about your life and you think about the different struggles you've had or you think about the different thoughts you've had or you think about your discipleship in your life and how that's gone and how you've handled that, man, I'm willing to say that there's people in this room that have tried to get certain places on their own and they've just never been able to get there. Myself included. And the reason is we make the focus about us and we stop trusting in the power of God, the same power that saved us to begin with. Jesus doesn't save you and say, good luck. I hope you can grow. I hope you can get closer to me. I hope you can get through life. And he doesn't do that. He says the same power that raised me from the dead now lives in you. And when we begin to tap into that power, when we begin to really rely on the Holy Spirit, then we begin to to do things that we didn't even know we could do. You know why? Because we couldn't. Only he can. And we're just allowing him to do it through us. The gospel is, it's not about us, it's about Jesus. It isn't that we believe bad things. It's that we often take good things and make them the central thing. For example, I grew up in a church that, man, we were, we were traditional Southern Baptist Church, really loving people. But man, there were rules. There were rules. I wouldn't have wore shorts on stage. There's no way I would have wore a hat in the church building at all. There's certain ways that we were supposed to to conduct ourselves. And I'm not saying that any of those are bad things. But what happens is we take the good things and we make them the central thing. When the central thing should always be Jesus. That it's not a list of do's and don'ts. It's not about rules and regulations. It's about who Jesus is, what Jesus has done, and what Jesus wants to do through us. That's the truth. And that should always be the main focus. There's some churches and some organizations ministry-wise that teach that, man, if if you know the correct doctrine, if your theology is is up to date 
and you know a lot about what this book says, then you're good. And I want you to know that knowledge doesn't equal transformation. And I'm not saying it's bad, right? That's a good thing. Study scripture. Learn as much as you can about Jesus. But just because you know it doesn't mean that your life is going to change. The way that your life changes is you realize that you can't do it and that the Holy Spirit must work. Knowledge doesn't equal transformation. There's some churches that are just really practical. They want to give you tips for living. And to be honest, that's one of our core values here is practical teaching. We want to make it practical. I want you to be able to leave here and apply some, some of the stuff that you heard and that you learned to your life. That's a good thing. But tips for living isn't the main thing. The main thing is the gospel of Jesus. Some churches are really big on the, uh, the whole social justice issue, whether it's, man, we must take care of the poor or it's a racial issue or whatever it may be. And again, those are good things. I'm not saying that we shouldn't, we shouldn't help with the poor. We shouldn't stand up for social justice. What I'm saying is those good things become central things, which means that we then distort the gospel, that the gospel should always be the center. Don't mix up the implications of the gospel from the gospel message itself. Dr. McKinley, who's the senior pastor at Warren here in the CSRA, puts it this way. He says, the church isn't about you. It's not about me. We must always make sure that the centrality of everything we do is to stay on message. This is always and only about the mission and the message and the master whose name is Jesus. Man, there's going to be needs that we see. There's going to be needs that we want to meet. The early church did that. But here's the thing. It never became the centrality of the church. We do ministry because of the message. There's a mission because of the message. The message is always the main focus. And when we put anything else in its place, we begin to distort the gospel. And that's what Paul was saying here to the church in Galatia is you have freedom in Christ. It's not a list of do's and don'ts. It's not that you have to keep the law in order to be saved. And Paul didn't say that the law was bad. But they were taking something that was good and making it the central thing. And we can't do that. And then Paul goes on and says, hey, am I trying to please man or am I trying to please God? If I was trying to please man, then I, just, I wouldn't even be a servant of Jesus. But the gospel is worth fighting for, is what Paul said. That I, I, I could have just stayed back and, and just listen and hear that y'all were falling away from the, the one true gospel, the only gospel. But you know what? I couldn't do that because the gospel is worth fighting for. And why is the gospel worth fighting for? Number one is because that's where the power of God resides. Man, the gospel just teaches us, it shows us that the power of God is real, 
And if we could keep that the main and central focus, then we would see works in our life and works around us like never before. The gospel is worth fighting for because that's how we tap into the power of the Holy Spirit. Is that we keep the main thing, the main thing. And that's one of the, the most used quotes in any leadership class, any, any type of leadership course. They always say, keep the main thing, the main thing. And I can't think of a better sentence for today to wrap up this whole thing than to keep the main thing, the main thing. Keep Jesus as the center of it all. Keep the gospel message as the focal point. And quit distorting the gospel because it's worth fighting for. Not only because that's where the power of God resides, but because it brings dead people to life. The gospel shows dead people that there's a new life in Jesus. And I said this a couple weeks ago, but man, when we find healing, when we find restoration, when we experience the power and the love of Jesus, then we want other people to experience that. Because it changes everything. And when we begin to be filled more and more with the Holy Spirit, it transforms our life. Because we stop focusing on us and we begin to focus on Jesus. And we live in a culture that is driven by self. It's driven by what we can get, what we can receive. It's, it's just consumer driven like crazy. And the church has a tendency to fall into that as well. What can I get out of church? What can, what can I receive? Instead of focusing on who Jesus is, what Jesus has done, and what Jesus wants to continue to do through the power and the work of the Holy Spirit. Now, I don't know if you know much about Martin Luther, not Martin Luther King. This is a different guy, completely different time period. But I want to just close this morning with just a, a little quick synopsis of of who he is and what he did because he, as well as Paul, thought that it was worth fighting for, that the gospel was worth fighting for. So what happened was the, the Roman Catholic Church was the was the main church um, in that time frame and and they were they were kind of needed some money to do something. So they started selling what you call penance. And what the, what the Catholics taught was that, that when your loved one died or when someone died, they would enter, enter into an in-between heaven and hell called purgatory. And you could, you could try to pray for them while they were in purgatory. And you could just keep praying and keep praying. And hopefully you could pray all their sins away if they didn't and they would make it into heaven. 
But some of the saints who had died left behind some of their goodness. So the, the priests began to sell these penances to help even more than the prayers. So the more that you bought, then the more money, obviously, that the church would raise and they could do what they needed to do. And Luther began to study scripture and began to see that really salvation is by grace alone through faith alone. And he said that Galatians is one of the most important letters written because while Romans kind of tells you what salvation is, Galatians tells you what it isn't. And what it isn't is works. What it isn't is what we can do. It's all about Jesus. And Luther began to realize this. So he wrote out this big, long thesis, and he just, he just stamped it with like a, I'm just going to call it a, a huge nail, put it right on the door of the church and said, hey, here are all the things that I think that you're missing that the gospel says. And they did not like it at all. So they called him in and said, we want you to renounce all this stuff. You can't go against the church. And Luther is, is there in the presence of, of all these really important people. And they said, we want you to renounce what you said about salvation being by grace alone, through faith alone. And Luther paused for a second. And I can imagine that there's some anxiety and some fear here. Because he knew that it, it was probably over for him if he didn't renounce this. And he looks at them and he says, hey, I, you know what? I can't in good conscience renounce what the scripture teaches. And I don't agree with your teaching. I agree with what the Bible says. So do whatever you need to do. And the, the place went crazy. He left because the only way that he came was they gave him some protection and security to say, hey, if you come, we'll let you leave, no harm. But as soon as he walked out the door, there was a bounty on his head. And he was kidnapped. And he was thinking, man, my life is over. But he was kidnapped by some friendlies, some allies, some people that helped him kind of change his name, his identity, and kind of put him in a little, little cave type thing where he could hide away and he began to translate scripture because he thought the gospel was worth fighting for because he knew there was power in the gospel because he knew that if people realized their truth that their lives could be changed that they could be forever set free that they could begin to live in freedom and he's one of the reasons Martin Luther's one of the reasons that we're even here today because he fought for the gospel. And there's been people over the years throughout history that have fought for the gospel. And I want to be one of those people. I want to fight for the gospel. And I want to love people. But loving people doesn't mean you, you don't tell them the truth. I think the more you love somebody, the more truth you tell them. 
So if we truly want to love people like Jesus did, Jesus didn't distort the gospel. He told them the truth. And the truth is that we're sinners in need of a Savior. The truth is that Jesus has done everything necessary, everything necessary for our salvation. That there's nothing that we can do to earn it. And when we try to do that, we begin to distort the gospel. And what burdens me and what breaks my heart is that there's people all around this place that are living in bondage because they haven't began to walk in the freedom of Jesus. Because we're still trying to do what we can do. And I want to encourage you, every single person in here, I want to encourage you that it's not about what you can do. It never has been and it never will be. It's about what Jesus has already done. It's about the power that resides in you as a Christ follower. It's not about me. It's not about you. It never has been and it never will be. It's always and only about Jesus. The gospel's worth fighting for. And I want you to, to begin to live in freedom. Maybe you've, you've been a Christ follower for years and years and years. But you still live in bondage because you begin to distort the gospel. That you've, you've started to, to see what you can do to kind of add. Maybe you've tried to grow yourself spiritually. Maybe when you talk to someone about Jesus, you kind of, you think that if you're persuasive enough, if you're energetic enough, if you're encouraging enough, that maybe they'll accept Christ. And again, I want you to know that man, we can't produce conviction in people. And that's something that as a, as a pastor up here on Sundays that, man, I have to be intentional about because it doesn't matter how persuasive I am. It doesn't matter how well that I speak. It doesn't matter how cool the points may be. None of that matters. What matters is the truth of Scripture is spoken and the power of the Holy Spirit works. That it's not about me. And I don't want to distort the gospel for you. The gospel is that, man, I am here at the bottom and I'm only elevated because of Jesus. He's given me spiritual gifts He's given you spiritual gifts. And when we allow him to work through us, man, he begins to use those gifts like crazy. We begin to truly live in freedom. Thank you for joining us at the Impact Church Podcast. For this and other messages, visit us online at impactharlem.org. In the meantime, you can subscribe to this podcast, rate and review it on iTunes, and share it with your friends on social media. Once again, thanks for joining us at the Impact Church Podcast.